Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Finding Backcountry podcast where we just keep getting epic guests and keep talking about mule deer and that's all that matters because this is my podcast and I can do whatever I want. Right, Scott? You can indeed. <laughs> uh, this guest, listen, uh, I've done these, you know, guest requests, whatever you want to call them, right? Where I, I asked people, who do you want or what topics do you want or whatever? And every time it's like, you know, I, mu- I must have that crowd that's just mule deer fanatics for the most part or you know, chicken or the egg, right? I put out a lot of mule deer content, so that's what uh-huh. who, who follows me or do the anyway. But you're one. I think I did this a couple of years ago. I'm gonna check my Instagram right now because I think I messaged you like a few years ago. And really, yeah. And, well, my you know, apologies I don't... if I didn't get it. I get about one out of twenty. <laughs> I don't pay attention. Well, the point I I don't hold anything against you. The point I'm making is. You you constantly come up, you know, as like, hey, yeah. Well, this was, I guess, um, geez, I don't know when that was. Anyway, it doesn't show me. Oh, it was last year. Yeah, last year, Scott Thompson. Anyway, so you're you're a pretty uh pretty heavily sought after uh, guest on the podcast and. And uh, you're pretty elusive, man. So I got Scott Thompson from. Uh, I know you. I know you still kicking it down in Utah somewhere, so central yep, Utah. I'm in. I'm in northern Utah. Northern Utah. Okay. Yes, sir. And uh, give them the rundown, man. Give them. Let them know who. Uh, who. Who we talking to here? Yeah. So Scott Thompson out of Logan, Utah, born and raised, been here my whole life. So I'm just a stone's throw from Idaho, and a little harder throw to Wyoming, and. <laughs> It's a good place to be, in my mind. Got a lot of opportunities to hunt, especially mule deer in this neck of the woods. Yeah, you uh, are you involved in the family business there that your old man's doing? Yep. So my dad started the pallet manufacturing business when I was in a baby carriage, and it's grown into a fifty-employee business, and it's taken really good care of us over the years. He retired, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, and now I run that thing mm-hmm. full on. Well, I meant, I meant Thompson Long Range. Oh, Thompson Long Range? Yeah, that one started, <laughs> I don't know, probably 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Same thing. My dad just on a whim. And then, you know, the, we have a chandelier thing called Cast Horn Designs where we artificial make chandeliers out of antlers, rotational molded antlers. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot going on. Yeah. How do you find time to find big bucks? Um, you know, it's getting harder. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I got three kids too. And I'm actually sitting on a job site right now of our new home. So mm. 
So you're, it's getting brutal. Well, then I appreciate this even more because I know that, uh, yeah, I mean, there's always. No, I appreciate it because you give me a break. <laughs> well, we can <laughs> podcast every week for that matter. There we go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, I've been looking forward to this one. Um, you know, you've, you've clearly established yourself as a guy who knows how to find and kill big bucks. And that's of interest to me because that's what I like doing or at least trying to do. So, Uh you know, I try to get guys like you and, you know, Carter and Hobbs and Robbie and, you know, all the guys, right. Uh, Mark and all, all the names. So. I surely appreciate it. Oh, you bet, man. Thank you. Um, so what we did here, you know, is I just turned this one over because you're you're pretty couple guys that requested you multiple times, so I just turned it over to the to the uh to the people, so to speak, okay. and went through and came up with questions and you know if this says anything, I didn't lead the witness whatsoever and all of the requests the only ones that didn't mention mule deer were the ones being, you know, smart Alex, right? Oh yeah. Anything, anything antelope <laughs> with a stupid face. And so, <laughs> you know, that tells you all you need to know. This is going to be a podcast or a mule deer centric podcast. Well, so. We can talk antelope. I'd rather hunt them than elk anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem with antelope is they only deserve one day at a, you know, per hunt, right? Like uh, I, I hear you. Yeah. So, so I like hunting them too, but it's over so quick, but no, man, I, uh, yeah, I think we just, we'll just roll through this and I think you and I can go off on tangents anytime we want and we'll just break down some kind of a Q and a thing with Scott Thompson and all your, uh, all your, you know, secrets and tips and tactics will come out at some point, I'm sure here. So, yeah, but, um, okay, man here you go right this is this is a fun one uh let's see bracken stokes maybe you know some of these guys i don't know but best tactic to hunt deer early and mid-october okay early and mid-october are brutal (laughs) but you can find some big deer no doubt um i've killed a couple big big deer going into the rut phase you know, in that mid-October when you least expect it. Just completely caught them with their pants down, just kind of sniffing a doe here and there. So that's one thing to watch. you got to watch the does, but probably is what he's referring to is where do they go and why are they so hard to find versus, you know, your September time frame. Um, when you're talking big bucks, they get big for a reason. I've always felt that they have something either unique or an area they go that is secluded something sets them apart they've made it past a two three year old and when i'm speaking i'm speaking like public land i don't do much on yeah i don't do anything on private i don't do you know limited entries i'm public land and um, not not real good units you know so when i'm (laughs) talking about this we're referring to that but those bucks have made it past two three years old somehow and whether it be luck or just I mean, I look at it as it's their habit. They've created a good habit, and it's a lucky habit. They're dodging a lot of people somehow. So say you've got a buck, you know, that you're able to see all through August, all through September, and then he disappears when the velvet comes off. He's just got a secondary nook and cranny somewhere that he has found a safe haven. 
sometimes it can be a little ways off. Sometimes it's, you know, one draw. But I've always found that I just kind of, you know, usually that time frame you're hunting. So you can, you can glass mornings and evenings, but during the day, I mean, you can do the Robbie Denning thing. You can steal hunt. It only takes just a flash to see, you know, what you're looking for, especially if you've targeted a buck, you know what he looks like. Even if you buff him once, that's usually his safe haven. He's going to go back to that. Um, I've found a lot of bucks just lower in elevation. They just drop down into the thicker country. Now, now are these, could you split that into two categories? Let's say it's a, an area or a canyon or whatever, a buck that you know about, comma, Mm -hmm. a completely different scenario where you're just hunting. Like, would, would you, how would you approach those two scenarios differently? Like, Hey, this buck's in here and I know he's in here and it just hit, you know, October 1st or 15th or whatever. As, a, as opposed to just, I'm out there hunting, or do you even hunt in areas where you don't think or know there's a big buck? Yeah, both. Because the places that are overlooked are the places you don't necessarily glass all summer and early fall. No, those are, you don't like them. You don't like to look at them. You don't glass them. So who's to say that a big old buck hasn't rolled into there? Yeah. I'm a creature of habit on that. I go to weird places. I hunt weird ways when things get hard. Um, I hunted a buck in 2014, myself and several other really good hunters hunted this deer and knew this deer. He was well exposed in August, September. No one could ever find him later. This buck went from, you know, probably pushing 200 into the nineties and regressed clear down to, I killed him at like 181, 182. But I shot this deer in the same draw that he summered in, but 1,500 feet lower elevation down in the thickest stuff you've ever seen. And it was just by a whim I caught him down there. And he was with two does. And that's how I got him killed. And I, I guarantee all those four or five years we hunted him when he was bigger, he was just down there below right, us. We were all looking right for there. him up higher. Yeah. So it's not, if I'm understanding what you're saying, right, to, to sum all that up, it's not that you're not looking for the easy to find obvious, like, hey, you know, there's a buck in August and mid-September and he's up high and it's, let's say it's Wyoming general hunt. Of course, like if you think he's going to be there September 15th, you're going to smash him in the wide open, right? Of course. Yeah. And that's where you're going to be hunting. But uh-huh. like you, the key that you said is when times get tough, you don't just, you know, the 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 thing I find myself doing or other guys, I think um, based on what you just said is we'll just sit and glass the same high country basin where we saw him or where we thought we saw the buck or where we think they should be. Right. Is that kind of what you're yep. saying? Yep. I mean, spend your time, you know, your, your, your prime times, mornings and evenings in the middle of the days looking at maybe where he was. And it depends a lot on pressure, but if he is not there in two or three days of prime time without much pressure, then I'm going to spend a lot of time kind of pulling off and looking elsewhere. Not far. Most cases, you know, they're close. But I'm not going to spend as much time dialed right in on his summer home, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me, Scott, of like the, I call it the, you know, the the um, on X theory or principle, right? Like there's there's 
in the last 10 years, right? You hunt the backcountry, and we'll talk about that a little bit. There's some questions, but you know, you, you've found, I'm sure, just like I have that, you know, if you, it doesn't matter what unit you go on, on X and you filter the deepest, you know, this is what we used to do 10 or 15 years ago, right? Uh You'd filter the deepest part of the unit that had the most roadless country. You know, let's say it's an early bow hunter, a a early rifle hunter or something. And you would just head in there and you'd get as far deep as you could as, you know, in the highest backcountry basin, you know, Colorado's infamous for that. Right. And there's going to be, there's going to be big bucks in there. That's just how it used to be. Well, now that everyone's caught up to the technology, everyone's doing well there's that. a button you push now and it changes the color <laughs> the purple yeah the, the purple. <laughs> and it's like anymore so what i've had to do in the last five years that, is that it's a huge yeah huge spot. x <laughs> huge x just you might as well draw like a five mile radius around that and don't go there and that's kind of what i'm hearing is like okay let's sit back and think about this and where everyone's glass and that deer is clearly not or he'd already be dead where are the people not looking, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you bring that out. I just stood on a ridge with a kid the other day, and he says, how come you're not in the high country? I says, you know, I, I lived in the high country for a long, long time. And I says, just with the way that opti- optics have come, um, firearms, all this technology, it's put a lot of people in the high country. And we're they're dangerous in the high country. Yeah. I says, so now I roll down to that mid at elevation nobody wants to spend any time in there because you can't glass very good it's hard it's frustrating and you know i may i see 10 percent the amount of deer i would in the high country but i can find bigger animals yeah and there's a there's a really that's a really good segue um right here steve uh steve evans he's a good instagram friend of mine uh seeing bigger bucks in the high country or the mid country nowadays yeah, I'm going to say mid-country, but I'm not, you know, every year somebody smokes some giant up in the wide open basin. Yeah. And that's just something you have to do personally is, are you willing to, you know, take the challenge, drop in elevation, hunt the thick stuff, and possibly find a big one? Or you want to stay in the high country, find a big one, because, I mean, you usually do, and then just beat everybody to the punch on that big buck in the high country combat deer hunting your your odds are higher of finding one in the high country your odds of killing one i think are better in the mid country yeah that's just my personal feeling yeah i mean you know and the low country right if you want to go hunt the low country you know here in wyoming or wherever i'm Mm -hmm. sure i'm sure over in idaho and you know i know for sure in utah like there's resident big big bucks that hang oh, down yeah, in big, some yep big big, big bucks deer. that that you never would think would be down in that country and if you want to go kill them down there you can too um yep same concept you know you got to be willing to work harder see less deer and just set that mentality cuz they're there i mean jason i love this terminology i don't know how long ago he used this but i heard it sometime and he says, if the coyote can survive there, there's more than likely a deer there somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it's true. And there's a big buck usually everywhere. Yeah. You yeah. can take the worst unit anywhere, and there's there's a good buck there somewhere. How hard you want to work. 
So, okay, I'm just rolling through these questions here. And this might seem like we're jumping all over, but it's fine. While I'm looking for this, how, like, I mean, is it, are you just a typical story like me? Like you were following your dad around growing up, like just, you know, kind of followed in your dad's footsteps hunting deer. Obviously your old man hunts quite a bit. Um, is that just kind of how it happened? Like normal Western mule deer hunting story? Yeah. I mean, my dad, my dad took me in the hills. My dad taught me the basics. Um, my dad was all work, you know, was growing up and still is today. He's work. So I mean, we hit the openers a couple of days here and there, but he wasn't hardcore by any means. Um, as I got a little older, when I turned 16, I'll be honest, Dustin, I went nuts. I just, that's all I wanted is I wanted mule deer and I wanted to find them. I wanted to know they were there and I wanted to kill them. Just started way early for me. And then as I started to kind of find some, and get bigger deal, deer and kill, kill these bigger deer, my dad kind of, you know, he got on the boat too. And he's, he hunts harder now than when I was a kid. Hey, show me how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of grew together, you know, but no, he definitely taught me the basics. Yeah. Taught me early with a gun, you know, and yeah, credit goes to him. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. You know, my dad was guiding a little bit when I was a young kid and then gave that up when I got old enough to hunt. And then we just, you know, pounded the hills, kicking up mule deer down in Southern Nevada. So, um, preseason scouting growing up. No, 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 no. In (laughs) fact, I just, I just telling my buddy at work the other day or somebody at work, I said, you know, it was just different, right? Like we, I wasn't into it like I am now, but it was still a big part of my life and what I look uh-huh. forward to. But it just, like you said, you know, it was just hunting season was something that happened three weeks a year. And yeah. I don't even mean weeks. I just mean the weekends, right? Maybe a three day weekend. And, you know, you'd go out the last two weekends of the season down in Nevada, the end of October, cause there might be a bigger buck that moved into the low country where we hunted and, and that was it. You know, you just kind of look forward to the two, three, four, five day deer hunt every year. And, and then you went home and just, Oh, put the rifle away till next year, you know? Yep. <laughs> so yeah, we did the same thing, man. We just took it to a whole nother level. You know, my dad didn't know what he didn't know, but, um, speaking of that, how do you, uh, how to introduce new hunters to backcountry mule deer hunting? That's from jumping legs. Okay. How to introduce new hunters to backcountry mule deer hunting? I got a confession to make. So I have a weakness. It's a big one. And it's a mummy bag. <laughs> Me and mummy bags, we don't work. Claustrophobic? So, I don't know, man. Yeah. I just lay there and just all night long. I don't sleep <laughs> a minute. That is my biggest weakness. I wish I could fix it. So I think of that as, you know, I got some either youth or someone, you know, new into the hunting industry. I like horses a lot. If they don't like horses, then we're going to take a Kodiak canvas or something big. We're going to drive as far as we can. We're going to camp in that, and we're going to hike. We're going to hike in. We're going to hike out. Because that's my comfort zone. I don't know why, but me and, me and, I mean, I'll do it. If I have to do it, I'll do it. I, this will give you anxiety. I slept in my, my wife and I backpacked in scouting a couple weekends ago, had the dog with us. And, you know, I didn't think too much about it until we were already packed up and heading out. And all I had was my 
two person backpack tent, which if you, uh-huh. you know, you spend enough nights in those, you know, oh, yeah. it's, that's really a one person, you know, comfortably. And then the dog's there and I didn't trust him enough to leave him out in the tent. And so there's me and my wife and my freaking dog curled up at my feet in a, you know, one and a half person tent. And, uh, if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever seen me in person, I'm not the smallest guy you've ever right, met. I promise right. you that. And it was my gosh, man, it was, you felt like it was, um, you know, I don't know. You felt like you were just wrapped up like a mummy. I mean, you couldn't, you could well, let me guess. You slept like a baby. I slept just fine. <laughs> See, I don't know. I sleep on my on my stomach, and so once I get settled in on my stomach, you know, as long as I have a little room up by my shoulders and stuff, I don't care about my feet really. But <laughs> I can see your I can see where your anxiety would come from. Yeah, I'm jealous. So mm-hmm. back to answering that question, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Just make it fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. A good time goes a long ways. Yeah, it's it's tough, man, when you get at the level of try that I feel like guys like you and me are at to introduce new guys to it because I'm like, oh, frick. Like, you know, I got to go back to the, you know, 101 level of they probably don't want to backpack in or horse pack in. They probably just want to stay in a camper, like you said, or, you know, whatever. They want to, you know, go for a walk. Yeah, they want to caught. They want to go a one mile hike, and they definitely have to be warm when they get back. You know, and it, there's it's just a so different of a game. See, Dustin, if me and you went, you'd have to go back to one on one. No, I got my pony out there. We'd drag your butler bag in or whatever you got. We'd be there, fine. and now we're talking. Yeah. I'm good. yeah, I can like a bedroll on the wide open bridge. That's good. Yeah. Yes. Keep the mummy bag away. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be all right. Oh, let's see here. Um, Sean Houston, one, one night, how to find areas to hunt on a new unit. So just generally, you know, what are you looking for when you, or do you, do you go start with, do you, how often do you hunt new units to you? You know, that's a good question because time is changing everything. I am unsuccessful across the board this year. I do not even have a Utah general tag. So, I mean, to me, I've always been the type to just get a tag or get hunt a unit that I can hunt a lot. So I've always wanted OTCs or easy to draw units. So you go to that unit and you don't have to do it once because it takes a minute to learn a unit. If you only get one chance, I feel like you go there, you're successful, you're not successful. You want more and you can't get more with a limited entry or a hard to draw unit. Yeah. So try and get something you can hunt, you know, every other or every two or three years with starters. And I think you'll be further ahead. Um, You might not be, you know, might not be known for the greatest deer, but I find pride in taking deer in, you know, lesser units. Yeah. So bouncing units, doing that kind of stuff. It just, how far do you want to drive? How much time do you have? That's, that's what the way you got to look at it. Yeah. And I, man, I have to keep reminding myself of that because, you know, if I let myself, I'll be in three different units and three different new States every year. Right. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. what tag can I draw? And, and honestly moving to Wyoming has solved a lot of that because you, you just instantly have that tag, right? You don't have to worry about getting a tag. And so I can be, I'm just like you, I do nothing. And yet I, uh-huh. you know, I still have my Wyoming general tag. And so, but like just last year, man, I, I, uh, was it last year. Yeah. 
you know, Colorado turned back and I end up with this, this Colorado muzzy deer tag that was, I looked it up, it was like, I can't remember, over 15 points that it took someone to draw on the draw for that unit. Right. And I just stole it. Right. And, uh-huh. it, and I was just elated, but after hunting it, I'm kind of feeling like you were, I'm like, frick. Like I didn't kill cause I, you know, whatever, I was being a little too selective and all that, but like didn't end up killing. And now I just want to go back cause, Oh, now I know how I'm going to hunt it. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you can't, oh, I, 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 that yeah. is, I hate that. Yeah. yeah. I hate that. Yeah. I, what am I going to do? Wait the points out? Obviously not. And so, you know, what am I going to get that on the turn back every year? Probably not. So kiss Correct. it goodbye. And it was just almost like a wasted fall hunt, you know, yep. but yep. I feel you. yeah, there's a, there's a lot to learn from that. Okay. So, so you spend a lot of time in the same units now, how, you know, let's, let's say that Scott's got to go hunt a unit. That's not where he's hunted before. How are you generally approaching new, uh, you know, new areas in a unit to hunt? Yep. Use the technology that's out there. I mean, on a Google earth, uh, make a couple trips and make the best of it. It's, I mean, that technology can get you a long ways. I mean, you, I mean, I, I don't know if you know, but I'm sure you've experienced. You go to a unit and you spend two hours bouncing some down road or bouncing down a road that you want to get to a point, whatever, and it's a dead end halfway because this and that and this, and you can't even get there. And you spend another half day, you know, just pre-plan it, make the plan and attack it. That's that's all you can do. I yeah. mean, if it's low country, obviously water. If it's high country, obviously find you a glass knob and use those to your advantage early and see where the deer are and go from there. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I'm curious if you're hunting a new unit, what your ratio for scouting trips to hunting trip is. Exactly. Yeah. Is it, how much time do you have? How far away is it? There's so many things that play a factor. Yeah. Well, what, what about you? I mean, let's say, you know, I don't know, let's just make believe a unit, one state away that's, you know, a six hour drive. How often that this summer, that summer, are you going over and scouting compared to, you know, just your hunting trip? This is like an easy draw over the yeah. counter. Just yeah. Let's say it's major. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make one trip at least. It's going to be a weekend. Um, I don't, you know, I don't get to miss much work. So I'm going to utilize a weekend. I'm going to make sure that it's in the prime time, you know, end of August, middle of August, first of August. And I'm going to go daylight till dusk as hard as I can for a couple of days. And mainly I'm going to see the terrain in person. I'm going to fill it out. and I'm hopefully going to see some animals. And then when it comes time to hunt it, you know, I'm going to make a game plan. I'm going to stick to it. I feel like the biggest mistake I always make is, you go there, you make a game plan, and then you come back and you wander an hour or two hours or three hours in opposite ways, and you burn up your whole hunt just driving. Yeah. When if you narrow it down, pick a place, give it some attention, you're, you'll usually find some success. Yeah. You know, that that's just that one scouting trip is such a game changer because huge. Oh, it just right. It it takes away that three days that you would have, you know, maybe two days or whatever that you would have wasted during your hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if you don't see deer and you're just 
okay, I got the lay of the land, man, I know now that that road is brutal and I ha I can't take my truck. I got to take a four wheeler or whatever it is, at exactly. least, you know, like, yep. oh, frick, this is like a major hiking destination because there's some monument up there. Like, I don't want to be, you know, or whatever, <laughs> right? Like, yep. you just see exactly stuff. Right. Yep. Go see it. Yep, go see it. If you can, see it twice. See it. see it as much as you possibly can before the big day comes. Yeah. Uh, my buddy, you know, Henry Ferguson, uh, big chief whack a buck. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what is the key? This is pretty, this is, what is the key to killing big bucks that others know about? Cool. Of course. Solid question from a solid guy, huh? <laughs> he knows what's important. He does. You know, I killed a buck one time that a lot of people knew about. And the way I done it is I gritted in the middle of the day. It was like one, it was like one thirty. I gritted an area cause I knew he was in there and he'd always lay up top and everybody was hunting him up top. Well, I gritted it in the middle of the day and I bumped him out of a bed at one thirty, middle of the day. And I eased down there. And I looked at that bed and this bed was giant. Uh, it's huge. I'm like, okay, that's his number one favorite bed. He beds over here, he beds over there, but this is his safe bed. This is his secondary bed. I'm going to kill him when he comes to this bed. And it's 99.9% .9 luck, but it worked out. Bow hunt, so, rifle just, hunt? It was a bow hunt. bow hunt. But that, I had one tiny advantage over everyone else who was hunting. Nobody was that deep in the canyon. Nobody knew that bed was down there. Did you did you lay eyes on him or you just assuming from a tracker? Yes. Yeah. When I was gritting, he stood up out of that bed and looked at me. Gotcha. And I knew right then I said, "That's my only way, my only advantage to try and kill this deer is having him come to that bed." You know what's crazy about that story is, Jer you know Jeremy Duggar. Uh huh. Okay one of the most underrated like under the radar dudes reminds me a lot of your kind of persona on instagram right just he's there but he's just tries to stay out of it yeah. and he told me something once i had a, a new mexico deer tag down there and he i talked him into podcasting and he brought that up i think and he said one thing i'll do with these and he's down in the desert and it's a little different but the principle is the same you know, he, he goes through these spots where, you know, he'll, he'll find a, down there, they find a track, right. And they'll just run it mm -hmm. until they kick him up yep. and, and look for that exact type of thing. Right. Okay. This is where he likes a bed or this is his escape route or whatever. Right. And, yep. and the phrase that he used, um, that you just explained is the game doesn't even start until I, until that happens right? Mm -hmm. Like the game doesn't even start until I know where he's at or what bed he's using or whatever. Um, man, I think that's super profound. Like, you know, young hunters are terrified to, to spook big bucks. Right. Uh -huh. So, I mean, just elaborate a little more on that principle as far as like what you would tell, you know, a young or a new hunter that's like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to go in and kick him off his bed or spook him or let him know that I'm chasing him. Like, what would you say to that guy? 
Um, just we can go back right to the first of this podcast where I said, you know, I'll get a ticket and I'll bump one. And then same early, I'll bump them. I'm not afraid to bump them once or twice to figure out where they're going. And, you know, I just always feel like they have a secondary safe haven. Whether I mean, these things are hunted by predators or their whole life is just they're avoiding something. And they have somewhere they feel really safe and secure. And then they have somewhere that's more convenient and they're kind of being lazy. Once they feel a little pressure, they're going to go to that secure area. Once you have that area, you're as good as gold. And then something else, you know, is, I mean, I don't love to compete with people. I would, I don't know. I would rather take like a 180 inch buck that I know about that nobody else knows about over a 210 that everybody and their dog knows about. (laughs) I hunt for me, you know, I love, I just love the pursuit. And I don't know, I guess you're after just the biggest thing on the mountain. You have to put up with people. Yeah. Yeah, that that combat. Yeah, try and try and find a niche that everybody missed. That's I guess the key thing. Yeah. Usually people have got them covered from start to finish nowadays. <laughs> yeah, the the spots, you know, but the tactics they don't. You know, no the, like guys they're smart enough to get back there, you know, or wherever, you know, they're smart enough to be in the area, but they're not the uh-huh. you know how it is, man. Like Oh, for sure. They'll for walk sure. a ridge line or they'll walk, you know, upwind of everything or you know, it, it just they're there, but they're not smart using these tactics when they're there. So there's there's ways to outsmart, you know, you almost got to think like you're the buck, I guess. Right. Like, think like you're the buck or be the cat, which, whichever. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, good stuff. Uh, let's see. We kind of, I mean, that's kind of similar strategies. He's asking strategies for locating older bucks in a new unit. I mean, you know, I feel like in a roundabout way, we've hit that Brady Castellano. What do you look for in an area that leads you to finding big mule deer bucks? Um, again, I like to hunt units that I can hunt quite frequently. And in, in doing so, I can find areas that hold bucks. And they'll be young bucks. But I'll go back and check on them year after year. And... I will pinpoint in on those areas and see which ones, you know, develop and grow into something that I eventually want to hunt. Does that answer that question? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the answer is, you know, you're, if you're just showing up to an area looking for a big buck, like, and this leads me into a really good question that I've had in the last couple Uh podcasts with guys like you, I, I think another way to answer this how many, let's say, you know, you, you decide in your own head because you know your buck's better than anyone, but like either like 190 or slash just old mature bucks, right? I don't care if it's 150-inch deer. If you right. a- aged him and he was eight and a half, that's a bigger trophy than a, you know, 195-inch three-year-old. But how many of those big mature bucks did you see or know about before the hunting season or you know even if it was like oh i knew about him last hunting season and then i killed him the following year whatever how many did you know about before that actual season that you killed him almost all of them and it's a big key right like yeah 
It's got minus be. minus November. Let's pull November sure, out of it. Sure, sure. And I, hunts, you know? I actually meant to say that. Like more like, you know, again, Wyoming general or whatever, you know, Utah archery or something early season before, you know, mid-October, whatever. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, almost all of them. And, you know, I grade my bucks on how hard they make me work. <laughs> I grade my bucks on how, you know, how old and how many times they've eluded human beings. Those are trophies in my eyes. I mean, I love, I love hard work. And one that just tears me up and I cannot figure out. And then I finally get him killed. He might not be the biggest thing, but I had to earn him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love those books. Yeah. And, you know, this might be a good segue into kind of the, the long range. I think will be an interesting discussion with you and I. Um, but like, you know, people will look at long range hunting, shooting, for example, and hunting and say, Oh, where's, where's the sport in that? Well, it's exactly where you make it. Right. Like, I mean, if I'm just out there to kill every, you know, three point, then there is not much sport in it. It's just shooting. Right. Cause I can find one every year and I, you know, depending on the day I'm, you know, lethal seven, eight, 900 yards or whatever, but, uh, it, you know, if you're out there looking for the buck that you're talking about, like it becomes extremely, you know, sporty. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's almost not even fair to me. It doesn't yeah. matter what rifle I'm packing. Um, yeah. you know, and, and so I think you're exactly right. I mean, I've packed a long range gun for, I don't know how long. And when you, when you chase one deer, one particular deer, you don't set up a long ways away you try to get the closest, tightest knob possible to assure yourself that you're going to make a kill shot because the opportunities do not come very often on the big, the big deer. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have, you know, I'm spoiled. I get to shoot long range multiple times a week and I very seldom use the extended, you know, part of my range. Yeah. Very, very seldom. You know, there's, there was a YouTube uh, hunt on YouTube that just dropped and that's all I'll say about it. But there, the, the guy on there, he's hunting this buck and it was a big, it was a big buck that he had found Uh and he'd found prior to the season. So he knew where he's looking and he was, he was like, you said, he was like almost, you know, he didn't mention any numbers or stuff, but I got the impression that he was watching from a long ways away terrified mm-hmm. terrified to get in there with him right and waiting for his right moment and 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 maybe he just you know was across the canyon and didn't see him till it was too late or whatever but the point is the guys that killed him out from under him so to speak you know nothing that they did wrong but they uh-huh. they were like right there on the same hillside right and whether that was dumb luck or they knew about him he doesn't talk about but right kind of like you said right i mean you only get one chance at these guys and you better make it close and sometimes that's the only way to get in on those those nasty you know big nasty bucks but yep. um man good segue into this question from uh into some long-range hunting and shooting stuff will will rankin how how should the average hunter determine effective shooting distance? Number one is the, the firearm. What is your firearm capable of? So, I mean, you, you know, you want to be ethical. So once you determine that distance, then it comes down to you. 
Um, time behind the firearm gives you confidence. I look at it. I'm spoiled with long range guns, like I said, because, you know, I help people. I put them together. I work on them a lot. So it's second nature to me. Let's, let's use bows for a terminology. Okay. I practice with my bow to a hundred yards nonstop. I feel deadly and maybe people will laugh at this, but I feel deadly to like 45 50 yards. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not a professional archer. I don't know anything about it. But I practice nonstop at a greater distance. But I know every time I go out and shoot at my target that that thing is going to be in the 10 ringer at 45 and 50 yards. You span, you span me out to 70, 80, 90. Yeah, I can hit the target, but I can't. No 10 ringers. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And then, and then the third, you know, the third thing, you know, you and I both know, like I've, I've hunted with some of the best shooters in the world and Mm -hmm. on the wrong day there, I don't care who it is. Their effective range is 600 yards or 500 yards or right. You know, so the, the elements obviously elements are wind, wind wind and your, and your shooting platform really like, you know, what, what situation you're able to, can you get prone or are you shooting, you know, obviously offhand or whatever, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, to that question, you know, go out, get a realistic setup with a target. And if you are really good, I mean, and change it, you know, make sure it's a windy day, make sure it's a whatever day, change it up. And if you are consistent at whatever distance, there you go. You should be confident. You shouldn't even have to ask yourself if you can hit the animal when you go to fire. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost a 50% rule, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, I'll, I'll go out at work or for a shoot or whatever, and I'll screw around with my rifle at a mile, right? 18, right. 17, 18, 1900 yards. Yep. And I yep. don't even, I don't even hit, it's not like I'm 50%, you know, on a deer sized target at that range or anything like that, you know, but I'm playing the game and I understand then, you know, the environmentals and I have the weapon that'll do it, you know, in theory. And, and all that and then like you said okay now like on a perfect day that 900 yard shot if i got the perfect platform and i you know everything's good and there's not much wind or whatever like that's a doable shot you know about half uh-huh. right uh-huh. yeah um okay how about how about getting started on long range shooting What are like what are like two three things that you would recommend for someone who Number 1 ask your wife what the budget is. <laughs> the sky's become the limit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, Let's... do you know where I work? <laughs> no. Okay. I probably shouldn't tell you because you probably change your whole perspective of me. <laughs> no, I work at Gunworks, man. Um uh... Up. I knew you were I knew you done a lot with them. I didn't know you were employed there. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, just one of the sales guys, but um but yeah, yeah we so i you mean you know what i'm talking about uh, hey i maybe, do uh, maybe ask your wife first before you <laughs> yeah, go down this road because the sky is the limit well but okay but put it in a box of just you know like regardless of what the the price is you have to have this and this and this i guess or or you have to know this or what yeah i mean number one go down find a gun i mean the guns i mean if you work for gun works you have to admit Things have come so far, and they make phenomenal stuff now. I mean, across the board, 
the pressure from the custom guys has put more pressure on the standard companies and things have just come a lot farther. You agree? Mm. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, for for sure, right? I mean, the the thing with Gunworks is it's just a system, right? Like uh-huh. you know, uh, we, we've innovated a lot of stuff. I feel like and Aaron's pretty good at, you know, especially for like sure. the, op- the optics line and, you know, yep. rangefinders and all that. I mean, he pioneered a lot of that, right? Insane. Um, yeah. Yeah, insane. Well. At the end of the day, it's a bolt action rifle that shoots really well, right? Yep. We have a YouTube video. If you search Gunworks YouTube video, the the top view video that we've ever done besides his boy shooting an elk at a ridiculous distance um, is like how to take a, a factory Remington 700 back in the day and turn mm-hmm. it into a, you know, do a couple modifications and turn it into a long range rifle, right? It's a, it's a $700 gun or whatever. So yeah. at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot more to it than that, but it's a bolt action rifle that shoots really well. After that, you know, the, the bigger pillars are some training and mm-hmm. understanding how to call wind and understanding your recoil management. And obviously, you know, having, you know, the scope on top of the gun that you can even dial up and that's, you know, will return back to zero if you're dialing up or if you've got Correct. some sort of BDC reticle like you guys use, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. got to be some way to account for, you know, different elevations and different distances. And then. You know, and then just a couple big key pillars, like, you know, but at the end of the day, they're all, they're just bolt action rifles that shoot really good. You know, whether yep. it's, whether it's a friggin' Weatherby or a Gunworks or a whatever, right? There's, there's a lot more to it behind the scenes. And again, training and the optics and the understanding of the wind and all that, the, you know, that Gunworks goes the extra mile, so to speak, to, to offer. Uh-huh. But underneath it all is, is a bolt action rifle that shoots extremely well. Exactly. So. Yeah, so first step, I mean, just find find something you want. And there's so much content out there. Watch it all, learn it all, read it all, and see which avenue you want to take. Yeah. Listen. You want to dial, dial. You want to, you want to hold over, hold over. Hold I over. mean, there's so many options. Yeah. And, and on, I mean, if I was a college kid again, getting in, knowing what I know now about long-range shooting, I mean, and I, let's say I had a, you know, $1,000 rifle budget or $500 uh-huh. rifle budget, I'd go buy, I'd, I'd talk my wife into letting me buy three of them. And I would go shoot which one and see which one of those three, because that's about what it's going to take with a $700 gun. I would uh-huh. see which one of those three shot factory ammo, good Hornady match stuff or something, you know, and yep. then I would sell the other two, honestly. Exactly. And, you yep. know, that's how you find a good gun at a budget price is, you know, freaking go shopping. But, yep. It, you know, anyway, what's the longest shot you've taken and why did you feel confident taking it? <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Let's use this one. I this is this is much better. I shot a coyote <laughs> at thirteen eighty seven, and I felt confident it was a coyote. Because it was a coyote, and who cares? <laughs> that's How's a that gr- that's a great answer for that question. <laughs> Keep it right there. Yep, I shot the longest shot I've taken was down at the night force elr match at like 2100 yards and it was because i was shooting a piece of steel scott there you go yep there you go there you go uh let's see man what else we got here do 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 here's a question like you said you're tied on on uh 
vacation days and stuff, right? Work and all that. Uh-huh. Randy Ulmer said something once that's always stuck with me. He's like, if I had 10 days to vacation for my hunt every year, I would use nine of them like right before the season scouting and then hunt for one. Right. And I think you just, just can just say that scout nine hunt one. <laughs> he said any better. Yeah. He, and I, I don't know if he's serious or just, you know, making a point, but like, I'm just curious, you know, again, let's say that you were turned loose with, you know, an over the counter tag and a new, the new unit scenario that we've been using and, and you've got to go find a big buck and it's all you cared about that year. Like, you know, and you've got 15 days. How are you breaking those days up? No doubt. I'm going to go with Walmart. I'm going to spend 10 in <laughs> August, September, and I'm going to be in the field and I'm going to be looking. And I'm not going to waste one minute on dust till dawn. Yeah. I'm going to find him and then I'm going to leave me a couple of days to kill him. It goes, it goes back to your, how many of your big, biggest bucks did you actually know about before the season opened? Right. And it's like, I think it's such a big key, man. Like I've interviewed a lot of you guys and I try to pull out and figure out like, what exactly is it? And, and that I think is one of the two main ones. Guess what the other one is? What, what would you say is the other biggest key to killing a big buck? besides finding them or knowing about them ahead of time patience patience i feel like it's patience yeah i was gonna say time and i'm not sure that's not the same thing time and patience for sure well you can't be patient if you don't have time right like right you know if it's a if it's a five-day hunt down in new mexico like you start sweating you know pretty on a on a tag you're never going to see again in for 10 years or whatever right like you start yep. getting real impatient real quick yep. well let's talk travis hobbs for me we'll pick on him travis hobbs used to be a waterfowler full-blown waterfowler okay that's all he that's all he did and you remind you about that <laughs> But we would sit out in the duck boat when he could talk me into going, and that guy could withstand the cold like nobody's ever seen. Okay? I look at him on a mountain or a ridge today. He can withstand any element if he's got a buck in his sights. He is so patient. That is his number one thing. He is so good at being patient. But it's freezing cold or 110 degrees he's just stone cold patient and you know with patience i mean you got to be confident and he's got the confidence and the patience and that's what makes him really deadly yeah and and you know it like i don't i don't want i i'm not discrediting anything you said but it it's it's you know if you got a two hundo found it's a lot easier to sit there and be patient, right? Again, it go it goes back to it goes back to do you know he's there or do you not? Because if you don't, you know, it's easy when that friggin' sideways hailstorm blows in, you know, in September twentieth to just be like, Frick, what am I doing here? Like there's nothing even here. But if you've if you saw that sucker or you you know, you moved around and finally picked up or you you went in where his bed was, right? Like you said, and you know uh-huh. he's there, like you know, that that makes a guy I'm sure that makes a guy a little more patient, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh man, couple more good ones here, and I'll let you off the hook. What are we at? Like 50 minutes? Jeez, we're just getting started, huh? Um, 
Just let me know when you, you need to put trusses on your house or whatever. Let me know. You're fine. <laughs> oh, T. Cole. T. Cole 138. He's a good dude. One secret. <laughs> I don't, this reminds me of the forums. I don't want your secret spot. One secret. Glassing tactic, elevation plus or minus, etc. That big buck killers keep to themselves. Well, T. Cole, that by nature, he's not going to tell us that because he keeps it to himself. But maybe you have an answer for for that. One secret to glassing. Glassing or ele- elevation plus and minus. I don't know what you know. Maybe what we were talking earlier, like mid mid, uh, you know, the mid country stuff. I don't know. I don't. I think. Well, I'll let you answer. I mean, glassing's glassing. You know, you can read the books that all these guys have wrote, and they'll give you a few tactics. You know, pan this, pan that. I mean, obviously, a panning head is key. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is, I don't know. I think people stop too soon and start too late. So, with that being said. I have found so much success with midday glassing or let's say the 10 to one. Those bucks say they get down, they lay down early and you glass it prime time. There's nothing. You pack up, you're gone. And we go, we hit on patience again. If you just hang out a little longer, glass a little longer, wear your eyes out a little more and extend those. I think you're going to be surprised. So that being said, at what point are you, you know, you're sitting there overlooking whatever it is, a basin or a couple ridge lines or whatever is in front of you. I mean, at what point are you, okay, I need to move completely and look at new country or I just need to be more patient and sit here longer. Depends on how cold it is. (laughs) But the one buck that was, and I was lucky, I learned this early. The buck that started all of it for me, so it was, it was 2005, I was like right out of high school. I knew this buck was there. He was in a spot where there was no humans. No one was dumb enough to be in there. I'd watched him, I'd studied him, I knew where he was going to be. Opening day, general season Utah rifle, he was nowhere to be found. But the hike was great enough that I didn't want to hike back out to hike in for the evening, so I just figured I'll sit here. I shot him at 11.45 in the middle of the day. No rhyme or reason. There was no pressure. There was nothing. There was no one. He just was lazy that day. Or he laid down early and decided to get up and switch beds at 11.45. That just taught me, look, I know he's here. Or I know, you know, something is here or I'm looking for something. I'm going to just extend my glassing time. Yeah. You ask me, when do you quit? Uh, just depends. Sideways hell? Yeah, I'm going to quit. Froze to death? I'm probably going to quit. Uh, it just depends. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. There's one more good one here at the end, but first, let's see. Do you always drop your shoes when you're in the red zone for a stock? Obviously, bow hunting or maybe even open sight muzzy or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I mean... I've got one bedded, and it is... Yeah. I'm in the red zone, and it's green light kill time. 
I'm going barefoot. Yeah, I mean, the only time I can think that I wouldn't go barefoot is if I just seen him from across the canyon and knew that he was on, like, you know, some of those bucks in places where they're just on huge boulder fields or something where I, you know, even then, though, those boot soles on those little pebbles are very, they'll get you. Um, yep. Yeah. Mark him though. How many times you lost him? Can't find him. <laughs> Listen, only like one major story, right? I mean, only you only do that once, <laughs> and that bad. and it was back before it was Southern Utah bow hunt, so it's like desert cactus everywhere, and it yeah. was back before we, you know, Scott, we didn't pack GPS, we didn't have any of that. No, we didn't. No, we didn't it wasn't. Away. Yeah, and it wasn't even that far. It was a few hundred yards, but you know, you're down there till dark and of course he's in an empty bed or he doesn't come out where you think he's going to come out or whatever and so you're coming back in the dark and the i mean the hillside was open but of course no headlamp and didn't mark my <laughs> we didn't we didn't pack our cell phones back then to use our our flashlight remember those days like you didn't have a cell phone <laughs> no it's yeah Mag light. Uh, yeah Mag you know, light and a bottle of water <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh no, you only make that mistake once, and then you, uh, you know what I started doing, Scott, mm. is I would, you know, if it's, let's say you're 300 yards out, you want to drop your boots or whatever the yardage is, 200 yards, that's probably far. 200 yards out, I will sit down and take my boots off, and then I'll tie the laces together like they're at the yep. store, and then I'll pack them with me. Uh-huh right i just started realizing like it isn't that i don't want my boots with me i just don't want them on my feet and so i'll just you know when you're not doing anything you're just going slow i'll just pack them another hundred yards or whatever um and then that's a valid point for sure yeah and then and then drop them right so they're they're a heck of a lot closer than they were um but that you're not making any noise yeah i'm gonna use that I spent a lot of time looking for boots. Yeah, you know, that'll cut the walk down for you. <laughs> um, man, I got one more. It's it's somebody wants a big buck story. So before you tell a big buck story to end this, is there any any tips or tricks or tactics or que- what's the question I'm not asking you or what what uh, what else do you want to divulge? Um, man, you picked me right apart <laughs> i think we've covered a lot of it i mean just get out make the most of it enjoy it that's what it's at the end of the day that's all it's about so are you how, how are you gonna you gonna hunt this year or are you just building a house um so i'm definitely building a house right now it's my <laughs> wife's house so i'm grounded um i got some i'm gonna hunt colorado okay right? And then I'm going to go north and south of the borders. North and south. Okay. So I got some stuff, but just later stuff. Yeah. And then obviously uh, I do have an Idaho tag. So I'll have that. Yeah. Okay. So give us, give us a big buck story. I, I want you to circle back when you started, you were talking about, you know, you don't really care about the size. It's more about, you know, the, the game right of following some buck or you there's i know there's a story you have of like this freaking deer and he pulled this and he pulled this and this and frick it took three years and we finally got him killed by you know whatever like let's i want to hear that story okay i'll give you one now uh, it's a brand new one it's just last year and it's a good and bad story all in one <laughs> 
So I found a group of bucks three years ago. And there was six of them. And they, there was a couple in there that had potential. And I didn't pay much attention to them that year. I come back the next year, still there, still kind of doing the same thing. I spent a little more time watching them because I'm like, you know, this is a really good location. And I don't think they get a lot of heat in here. So I go back last year and I'm walking down the ridge. It's in the middle of the day. And they had this knob that they like to bet on. And I figured I'll just bomb in there and see what they look like when I bump them. Well, this buck stood up and he was big. I'm like, gosh. That's impressive. And he had a couple other good bucks with him. So I didn't know whether to hunt him or not. And then, so that was probably, I don't know, first of August, end of July. And I went back the tail end of August, right before the bow hunt, and he'd finished out really strong. And I didn't have anything else really to chase, so I decided to put everything into him. And I thought for sure I could stick him with a bow. And that thing gave me the runaround like I've never had before. So he had he had a draw that he would travel. And the wind in that thing got me three times because it would just swirl, you know. In the middle of the day, it was rock solid. I could, it would come across that face at a 45. But I don't know why. I could not get consistent wind. I'd have him bedded. I'd go in. And the wind would be different from the day before or this or that. Anyway, he tore me up. So whole season ended and I watched him twice. He got hard horn and he split off on his own. And I said, you know, I'm going to kill this thing. So not being in a, you know, archery gear anymore, I could extend my range a little bit. So I went across Canyon and I hand dug a pit on this little rocky knob. And I could only see, I don't know, 150 yards of a ridge that I thought he would utilize. I, I figured I knew he'd utilize because he uses it all the time. And it would have been opening morning, the general season. I figured people will come down the ridge, you know, they'll blast, they'll do this thing. And he's just tucked underneath him. And worst case scenario, he'll come right down underneath me and I can shoot him at, you know, 350, I can shoot him at 100. So opening morning, I'm sitting in my pit I dug underneath this pine tree. <laughs> and here come the first one. Here come the second one. Here come the third one. And I'm like, okay, he's alone. He's kind of been around those guys, but he's solo somewhere. And in the bottom of that clearing, he stepped out broadside, and it was game over just like that. So he's like, he's pushing 190. I sent the teeth to Robbie. And he come back way young. He's only four and a half years old. So that's the bad side of the story. <laughs> that is not at all what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> what did you want? Some? No, no, it's perfect. Something else. So you had seen him it for how many? It breaks my heart, man. He <laughs> would have been a giant. <laughs> I mean, I love him. He's good. He's a great buck. But gosh dang it. I missed him. Misjudged that part a lot. Have you seen, like, have you noticed, let's say, over the last 10 years that, you know, it's just, 
I'm trying to de- debunk the, you know, there's no more big, big bucks, right? Like, I mean, have you seen a general drop in things? Like, you feel like there's, you know, like that's real. You feel like there's the same amount of big, big bucks, bucks getting old. Like, you know, I mean, do you, do you notice it or is it just whatever, right? Every year's different kind of a thing. You know, I try not even think about it. Just try to do my thing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to go look for a buck I want to hunt. I'm going to hunt him. I'm going to try and kill him. It's, you know, it's like the winter this last year. That was brutal. I've been in the hills, and it that winter was brutal. And everybody's crying the blues. And I look at it as, okay, I lost 50% of my deer herd in northern Utah. I honestly, I, I know we did. And if I lost 50% of the deer herd that I love to hunt, uh, I mean, I don't get to hunt this year, but I just hunt 50% harder. <laughs> There's always going to be one. So, so what would you say to the guy? Because I've had a few guys, you know, kind of standing on their their noble hill telling me that, you know, I'm choosing to not hunt this year or I'm not going to go hunt and maybe you should consider not hunting because the winter was so bad. I'm never going to not hunt, even if I was sitting on a pile of points, you know? I mean, you look at, I mean, I've heard this several times. There's going to be big bucks this year because if you made it through, right? the offspring is what's going to hurt us even more down the road. There's no, nothing, no recruitments. But yeah. still, there's going to be a few. I mean, I've seen a fawn or two. Yeah, I've actually been surprised in some of those, you know, that kind of tri-state, you know, like down mm-hmm. in your neck of the woods and guys are reporting like, hey, I actually, I saw a few fawns make it through. Like, holy cow, like, wait a minute, you know, year, year and a half old deer for sure um, that were last year's fawns. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Like, we're no longer spoiled. You've got to make your hunt. You know, it's, if it was easy. I don't think I'd do it. Yeah. We yeah. can't we can't control Mother Nature. We can try and help the deer, and I mean, there's a lot of cool things that a lot of great people are doing, and and I back that 100. percent But at the end of the day, we can't control Mother Nature. Yeah. I love hunting. And I'm just gonna hunt. Yeah, and if you know, if you wanna, let's throw this out there. If you think that you need to, you know, be a little more, I don't know what the word is, right? You need to you know, this is a year that you need to give a little more love to, like be even more selective, right? Like, For sure. like, I couldn't agree more. Like, don't, don't, you know, it's like this Muley's Matter movement deal with Epic, right? Like maybe, maybe just don't tip the three, three point over, right? Don't, maybe just don't shoot the, you know, the two and a half year old deer at the end of the, the last day of the season. If, if that's, you know, how you feel or wherever you're at in your journey or whatever, but you know, maybe just be a little more selective than you normally would and get out there and hunt harder. Like you said, you know, Yep, I, I couldn't agree more. Let's, um, they're at an all time low and they could use a little bit of help for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think of the youth when I say that, but what if we just tell our youth and explain our youth, look, these deer are struggling. I know you want to shoot that two point really bad because I was there when I was 12 and 13. But what if we just leave a few? It's going to help more than it ever has. Yeah. 
Scott, so good, man. I we could do this again and just I mean we could dive into everything you want every, whenever you want Dustin. dude any everything we talked about we could go off on a tangent you know that the oh, yeah. q a thing just kind of keeps me keeps me focused but um yeah appreciate you jumping on man really do um you know it wasn't uh it wasn't just you know by random i mean you you earned that that many guys that were that were asking for you because you know what you're doing and how to kill big bucks so well, that means a lot i really do appreciate that yeah well, good luck on your house, and uh, hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, let us know how the the winter is down there. I know you're you're right in the epicenter, right? Wouldn't you call that like, or was it a little further south where it got absolutely hammered down there? Um, just over uh, everywhere we got hit. Idaho's yeah. rough. Wyoming's rough. Yeah, Utah's yep. rough. The tri states. We are. We got hammered. Yep, that little you know couple hundred mile radius down there just got pretty hammered but okay man well we'll be looking forward to seeing pictures this year and uh yeah good luck on all your hunts i appreciate you you bet man thanks scott we'll see you hey everybody thank you for listening to the finding backcountry podcast if you enjoyed this episode make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends but the best thing you can do leave a rating on itunes or your favorite podcast platform For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.